<laughs> uh, if you wonder what Pastor Dan is like most of the time, that, pretty much. Yeah. We have um, lots of friends. We do. Um, partners uh, pray for Pastor Dan, his wife, uh, 20, 30 pastors and their families. Um, uh, we've got uh, children and young adults and uh, homes in uh, Cambodia. Uh, most of you are uh, aware of some of those partnerships. Pray for them. Uh, Sharon Kozar, who's been uh, in Papua New Guinea, is back in the States. She's been back for a while, and she's going to be here for a while. She's staying here, um, and uh, she appreciates, says community even recently, how much your support love means to her. Uh, so keep praying for them. There's a couple other things on my mind that I felt like we might pray about. So let me just start there. Would you, um, yeah, let's pray. Would you join with me? Things that, obviously, God, we are um, uh, reminded daily, multiple times a day, of what's going on the other side of the world with Ukraine. And I, I think God might, so many prayers that we have, so many things that we care about and just seem tragic. Here's what's on my mind. Um, God, would you intervene in, in, into, the, into the arrogance of the totalitarian mind and heart? Would you, would you just dive in there and stop that attitude, that spirit, that, that whatever that is that stops at nothing, even human atrocity, in its pursuit of power, God, would, would, would you move in the hearts of those that are so out of sync with your heart of submission and compassion and love God, would you, would you bless it, the, the, not only Vista, but the, the churches uh, that, that are even with, within, our, within our reach here, God? I just think of Agathos. It's, it meets in our other building. And I think of our friends at Ethos and uh, those pastors, Peter and Jordan, God, and, and so many others. God, would you bless them and make that ministry or those ministries fruitful and impactful in the community? Together with them, God, we... We want to be a, a witness, uh, an example, uh, a demonstration, uh, a signpost to you and, and to your son. Would you, would you bless those churches? Would you come alongside Annette as she uh, suffers uh, and, and, the, and the sailor, entire sailor family as they suffer the loss of Mark? God, would you, would you just be there um, when we can't? God, would you comfort on a level that we can't? And God, I just want to say thank you. I want to say thank you for uh, those little children that were dedicated last week, uh, for Kai and for Everly, and, and, and for those that were baptized, uh, Kennedy and Audrey and Tommy and Madison and Lisa. Uh, you're up to good things in the hearts of people, and we are so grateful for that, God. And grateful for the generosity of this church that is pressing forward into new frontiers with the facility on the northwest side. 
we, I, we, I should just say I. I was just dangerously close, just giving up entirely on what in the world are you doing? And you have blessed our corporate faith and trust in you, and you're doing things that I'm so grateful. We are grateful people. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I know it's, it sometimes seems like somehow not very worshipful to talk about money or numbers, but Jesus said oftentimes that it is how we worship when we give away what is most important to us or what gives us security. I just want to tell you that your faith has resulted in uh, a sum total of over $1,700,000 toward the facility over there in the northwest side. It's a phenomenal exercise of faith. I'm very, very grateful. Um, and that church in particular is also very grateful. Thank you for um, how you are trusting God with the resources that you have. It's huge. Just great. Unbelievable. Truly. So if you're tracking along with the... Um, uh, the Red Letter Challenge curriculum that we're doing, we're moving into week three, which is about serving. Um, what do you say, what do we say about serving? Does anybody not want to help? <laughs> I suppose there are some people, I hope that's not you, but m- most people are like willing to help. They're willing to serve. If, you, if it's within your power to give, I've seen you, all of you. I've, I've, you give. I don't know if there's a lot to say, but is it hard to serve? I don't know. I would have suggested it's easy to serve. But there's some hard things associated with it. The actual service, not so. Like, there are monumental problems in the world that need to be solved. There are, uh, there's significant work to be done. There, there are things that have plagued this planet and this country and this state and our community and your family that, that, that don't seem to go away. And, and, and we need help, and those things are big. Hard things. But the actual help that's required of you and me, it's not that complicated. It's not that sophisticated. Right? We're not likely going to eradicate hunger or homelessness in Columbus. But you can go to the bridge and pack up a few bags of food to help someone make it through the week. You see what I'm saying? Like We're not going to probably knock it out completely. But the part that we play, not, not that hard. Our friend Reverend Brown down on the Near East Side, he couldn't fix that young lady's paraplegic body that came to him for help. But he was able to find some folks that really very easily built a ramp that allowed her to access her home uh, more easily. You see what I'm saying? Like, we don't, we don't have enough help ever, really, in kids' community. That's just sort of the nature of children's ministry. You know, the harvest is plenty and the workers are few. And, and you imagine that, that that's, if you don't serve in there, you're just like, I'm not going in there. I, that's... I can't do it. And it really actually isn't all that hard to get down on the floor for 35 minutes with a five-year-old. That's not really that hard. It seems like, right, the things seem big. But I'm going to suggest that serving is easy, but that we need to pay attention to some things that 
inhibit us or uh, that become obstacles for what could be very easy. I think the serving is easy, and, I, and, I, and I'm preaching to the crowd on that part. I, I Just like with the giving, I, I see in this church a heart of giving. I, I, don't, I don't feel like I have a lot to challenge you with there. I, I, I want to just kind of look at the context for our giving and, and, and help you press in uh, to some spaces where there might be some serving and some helping and some giving that God would require of you that you might not otherwise find because there are some, there are some obstacles. I, I, I'm, it's not so much the difficulty of the task that impedes us. It's a bunch of other things. And we, and we come to this place in Mark, uh, as we've been studying that book in chapter 5, where Jesus demonstrates, of course, <laughs> you know, he gets it right. That's part of the reason we follow him. He demonstrates what it takes, what must be overcome to truly serve others. And so I'm going to click through a couple pretty quick scenarios here and draw out some things that we learn from Jesus. How's that sound? All right, so this is Mark chapter 5. In the end of Mark chapter 4, there's that whole storm event. Where there, the disciples are out in the middle of the Sea of Galilee and the big gale force wind comes up and Jesus says, calm down, and it just does, right? On their way across the lake, they get to this region that the disciples, I don't know if they'd ever been there before. Jesus hasn't taken his disciples out of their comfort zone as far as we can tell until right now, and that's what happens. They go across this lake, they experience this storm, and they end up on the other side of the lake, and we find out pretty quickly why they don't go there. Listen, listen to what happens. When Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an impure spirit came from the tombs to meet him. The man lived in the tombs, and no one can bind him anymore, not even with a chain. So there's a guy living in the tombs that needs to be bound. You get the deal there? Like he, what he does when he's not bound, nobody likes so they, he was bound. But he, they couldn't keep him bound, even with a chain. He, he, he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Here's my first thought when I read this. Just skip it. That really was my first thought. What are you going to do with that? But we shouldn't skip over Scripture. We should try to deal with it. Here's what I, here's a, here's what I think might be something we can pull out of this. If God's going to call you to serve, it's going to be real helpful if you anticipate the context of that serving being different than what you're used to. The kind of experience might not be specifically what you expect, so different should be anticipated. You see, what, what, what happens there, Jesus does with relative ease. And, and where God calls you to serve, again, back to my, maybe my opening point, is it's not necessarily going to be that complicated or sophisticated to do. But the environment could be challenging, unfamiliar, 
awkward. Any number of things that we wouldn't be comfortable with. It's, it will be good for us in the midst of following Jesus to imagine and expect where he takes us might be different. Jesus, some of Jesus' last words went like this, and we, we find these in the beginning of the book of Acts, which is really the sort of the follow-on for the Gospels. And this is Jesus still speaking. He says, but you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem. Which if he stopped there, everyone would have been like, no problem. But he said, and in Judea. And they're like, okay, we kind of, I know Judea. And Samaria. We're actually not allowed to go to Samaria, Jesus. And to the ends of the earth. How are we going to get to the ends of the earth? What's going on at the end? They didn't have internet. They didn't have newspapers. They didn't know what was going on at the ends of the, of the earth. They knew it had something to do with the occupation of the Romans in their world. But wherever that Rome was, they'd never been there. And they would not know how to survive. And Jesus is saying, I'm going to, my spirit is going to live within you. And you're going to go beyond where you've gone before. And it's going to be different. We are, by definition, but through, through the names that God puts upon his followers and the way Jesus spoke to us, we are, by de definition, sent people. If you're a Christian, you're a missionary. And, we see, you are empowered for the work. Jesus says, I'm going to give you my spirit and you're going to go. Um, and, and here's another thing he said. Look in John chapter 20. He says to his disciples, peace be with you. Peace, right? I'm giving you something that lays at the bottom of life so that you can engage it. The contentment and peace and uh, uh, a sense of well-being. I'm giving you that. And he says, as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. The Father sent me out of the perfect environment, heaven, down here to live with y'all. And I don't mean to be sacrilegious. In this, can you imagine what it would be like for the perfect holiness of God to arrive in a fallen, broken world? Whew. As the Father sent me into a place that is less than desirable, I, he says, am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said again, receive the Holy Spirit. We're sent people. We're missionaries by work. Here's how we have tended to define mission, missions. It, it is as or when you are crossing a boundary or a border to where you wouldn't normally or casually cross which could be right across the street. I've heard many of you talk about your neighbors and wonder, how do I read? They're so different from me. Yeah. It doesn't take going across the sea to engage with somebody in a way that doesn't or isn't all that familiar. Anticipate different. You might say, if you... Back up from the picture again, not only in the, what you find where he's sending you, but getting there. Right? They went through a storm. 
<laughs> they went through a storm to get there. What normally happens when you have decided to go somewhere you really aren't comfortable going and an obstacle or something pops up, what do you do? You just take it from the Lord that you're not supposed to go and you go home. Right? If any, it's like, I don't really want to go. <laughs> and then there's a difficulty, so, so you don't go. Instead, you see, we start to anticipate obstacles and difficulty on the way to where God wants you. You could almost see difficulty or obstacle as an as a affirmation that you're on the right path. Don't, don't allow hard things to slow you down or stop you. See them as part of what God's doing with you in that moment, not only to get you somewhere to serve, but to, to grow you up. One of, one, of my, one of the best examples of my life was a friend I had in college. Uh, the best examples of faith um, was my friend David. Nothing, nothing, nothing that I can recall over the last 30 years whew, that I've known him that he didn't see as something given by the hand of God. And there's this one example that just stands out forever and ever and ever. I'm, I'm in my car on my way to church. I'm going by myself. <laughs> I do a lot of things by myself for some reason. <clears throat> and I'm, I'm rounding the corner, and I see Dave standing by his car. And he's just, he's just hanging out by his car on Sunday morning. <laughs> and I pull up, and he goes to the same church I, do. I did back then. And I pull up, and I go, what's going on? He goes, my battery's dead. And I said, okay, why are you just standing here? He said, I'm just waiting for what God was going to do, and you showed up. And I said, you need a ride. He goes, I do. And he hops in. And that's it for him. There's not a big fanfare or anything like that. But that was his perspective, was like, God is up to something always. And he was like excited to find out what it was. Don't let the storms of life or the dead batteries or the difficulty stop you from going. It might be affirmation that you're on the right track. This is always disconcerting when we go to the airport to pray for a missions team that's going away and I say, you know this is going to come apart pretty quickly somewhere between here and there. Like someone's going to lose a passport, someone might get hurt, you're going to have a flight canceled and they're like, thanks for the pep talk. It's hard enough for us to be going. And then you know what I'm doing what am I doing right there? I'm helping them anticipate the struggle that might come so that when it does come, they don't panic, they don't freak out, they don't lose their faith. They say, oh, you know what? This is normal. This is what we need to do. Anticipate that there might be an impure spirit coming out of the tombs to meet us when we get there. One of the first missions trips I, I ever went on was in college, and we went to the inner city of Chicago, and we were hanging out with uh, Jesus people. There's a group of people called the Jesus people. Isn't that great? They took the best name, Jesus people. And we were at a soup kitchen, and I was in the back with the, one of the Jesus people guys, 
and we were making the soup, and there were some homeless folks that had come in for lunch, and I asked the Jesus guy, who was younger than me, he was like probably 16 or 17 or 18, I might have been 20 at the time, and I said, what do those folks that are eating out there uh, think about a college kid, a rich college kid coming from, you know, to serve them soup? And you know what he said to me? I don't know, you should ask him. He's like, get out of the kitchen, dude. Get out there and talk to people and see what's going on with their life and ask them what they think about it and what they feel. And why wasn't I out there? Well, it's awkward. I don't really know how to talk to people that are like me, quite honestly, let alone people that aren't like me. <laughs> Anticipate trouble, challenges, difficulty. When Jesus had crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, so, so a bunch of stuff happened in that space. They, I think they spent the night there, if my, my uh, memory serves. And that, that, that guy got better, for lack of a better way to put it. Jesus made him better. And then he wanted to follow Jesus, but Jesus had other plans for him. And so the next morning, they, they go back over to the other side. And when they get there, there's a big crowd of people waiting for Jesus. There was a crowd when he left. Some people got in their boats and went out into the storm with them. It doesn't say that they made it across. I'm guessing they turned back. But now he's been over there. He's dealt with this demoniac, uh, the storm and all that. Now he makes the big trip back. Now you're tired after the big vacation or the big missions trip or whatever. But now there's a whole crowd waiting for him. And one of the synagogue leaders comes through the crowd. His name was Jairus. And he sees Jesus. He falls at his feet. And he says, my little daughter's dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she'll be healed and live. And so Jesus went with him. Crowds, storm, teaching, demoniac, travel back, crowd, request to come help a daughter who's dying. I think it's fair to say most of us would be like, um, can, I, can I catch you in the morning? I'm exhausted right now. It's been a long, can't even tell you, what. it's been a long day. But he says, and this, I love the way Mark writes, verse 24, so Jesus went with him. The guy said, hey, I need your help. And Jesus went with him. Here's what I draw out of this. It sort of goes without saying, but I'm going to dig a little deeper in this. He was available, but not strictly with regard to time. To me, and maybe it's just me reading into it, what, what is required in this moment is more about availability mentally and emotionally, right? At the risk of talking about myself a little too much this morning, I, I have ADD and the... <laughs> like, mm -hmm. uh, the ADD personality is in a perpetual state of being overwhelmed. That's part of the drill. The, the instinct of an ADD person or someone that just is overwhelmed, the instinct is when an unexpected or special opportunity comes up, and it doesn't matter if it's good or bad, the answer is no. The first answer is just no. <clears throat> what I've had to do to work around that sort of sense of 
I'm, I've, I've got too much on my mind and I'm emotionally drained. And the answer is no. What I've had to do is trust God that his requirements for my life are within his control and right for me. So for me, the mechanic goes like this. I say yes. And my commitment is, God, I'm going to say yes to a special thing every day. I'm not going to panic until it gets to two. And, <laughs> overthinking it as usual, I, I, it's, it's a maximum of three per week. Say with me on this. Okay, so what that means is, on any given day, I'm mentally and emotionally ready and comfortable for a special request or call of God. I'm not going to get overly concerned until it gets to two, and in any given week, not until it gets to four. Okay, it's a lot of math, but I think where you're coming from, and what happens is, this is what I mean, there's not usually even one in a given day. In a given week, it barely goes beyond just three. But for most of us, mentally and emotionally, we think there's 50 coming, man. And I can't say yes to the first one because it's just going to open the floodgates. I think we can trust God that his call on our life, whatever it may be, in practical terms on a daily basis, is going to be manageable so we can say yes. If you need some constraints to help you, there's one. Just be willing to say yes once a day, up to and including three per week. <clears throat> now, here's the thing. That doesn't mean you can't do two in a day or five in a week. I'm just saying it's helpful to have some parameters in which you are in advance willing to say yes to God. So be available by saying yes to God. And here, secondarily, take care of yourself emotionally and mentally before the opportunity arrives. If we aren't practicing the disciplines of rest and refreshment and the health of sharing our burdens with one another regularly in life. We will be emotionally and mentally wrapped up and overloaded and put ourselves in an almost impossible position to be able to say yes to God. Self-care is always necessary. Give yourself the rest you need, and in, in a manner of speaking, the separation from all the demands so that when God's expectations come, you can go. Jesus was overloaded in this situation, but he went with because he trusted God. All right, so anticipate different, be available. That's two A's, by the way. Anticipate, be available. You can see what's coming. Oh, I, 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 I think I have time for this. I'll just make it quick. He went with him and he goes with us. This is the other thing that should give us mental, emotional availability is it's not just us that go. 
Remember, it talks about he's empowered us. His spirit goes with us. Jesus himself says, right, don't let your heart be troubled. Do not be afraid. I am with you. I am going with you. In Matthew, 20, the, Matthew chapter 20, the Great Commission, he tells them to go, go, make disciples of all nations. And how does he finish that thing? Surely you know this always to the very end of the age. I will be with you. Anticipate, be available. Side note, you're not on your own. So this crowd is uh, now moving toward this man's house where his daughter is dying. And a woman within that crowd has seen what Jesus has been and done and is suffering herself and understands or believes that if she could get her hand on Jesus, that she will be healed. And in fact, it, she was. The it says the power of God rushed out of her. And, and when that happened, in Mark chapter 5, verse 3, it says, Jesus realized that power had gone out of him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? Which the disciples actually find humorous. Because he is, it's not just a crowd that's with Jesus, he's being crowded. So you have to imagine, Jesus is trying to follow this man to his house and the crowd is just all around him. The woman couldn't even get to him to touch him and was only able to get her hand through and get it on. He is being touched all over the place, essentially. He is being crowded and this is what they say. You see the people crowding around you, Jesus, and you ask, who touched me? You're asking us who touched me? Everybody touched you. Everybody's touching you right now. What are you talking about? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had touched him. There's a lot more about this woman than, than her just touching him. What happened? Some power. He felt a connection. Something drew him and all that he was to that woman. He's being, he's being called to a very specific person in that crowd. One of the things that tends to shut us down when it comes to meeting needs, serving people, uh, being generous is what? Who and how much and when and where? I, there's so much. It, I'm, we're, we're crowded with... <laughs> Needs. But there is one. There is a call to serve. And we have to figure out what it is sometimes. It's hard for me to imagine. Isn't it? Is it hard for you to see how this works? The man who could stand in a boat and tell the storm to hush can't find a woman. He's looking all around. You know, I would think he would just be like, bring her right there or something like that. He's looking around. Jesus is looking around for the space that God is calling him to go. We need to be anticipatory of the challenges of where we're to serve. We need to be mentally and emotionally available to serve. And we need to be aware and sensitive. Did 
Jesus says, whoever wants to lose their, whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. The best thing you can do to improve your awareness, your sensitivity to the, to the need, your uh, responsiveness to the heart of God is to live a life where, where your life is defined by outflow rather than inflow. Jesus was always giving, always reaching, always healing, always touching. And in sync with the divine movements of God allows you the capacity to hear him better and to know where he might be leading you. Grabbing desensitizes you. Consuming desensitizes you. Contributing sensitizes you. Giving sensitizes you. Binding desensitizes you. Releasing sensitizes you. Trapping or trapping someone else desensitizes. Freeing sensitizes. Arguing desensitizes. Exploring sensitizes. Right? A life of really generosity, of giving. We lack sensitivity and awareness um, to the needs around us and to the voice of God because we're bound up. And the best thing to do is to be not bound up. I'm going to tell you a quick story and then I'll wrap it up. Five years ago, when we were raising money for this building, Uh, A woman in Dublin uh, had just received an inheritance from the passing of her father. The way she put it was, it didn't make us wealthy, but it did give me a financial position that I hadn't been afforded before. And we were talking about generosity. And I was talking like Jesus talks and like the Bible talks about how generosity and outflow changes your life. And she decided to do an experiment And then she wrote me an email a year later. I'll read more of this letter next week when we talk about giving. But this letter sits nearby to me, and I go back to it time and time again. She said some things and learned some things that have been instructive to me and continue to be instructive to me. She decided to give away I don't know how much she decided to give away, but in the end, she said, I gave away in one year the amount equivalent to one year's salary for me. That's how much she gave away. But she said, I was trying to figure out where and how all the time. And she had to learn. Sometimes she gives and sometimes she doesn't give. And this is a couple of things she said. Here's one of them. She goes, when I don't, serve or give, because again, I'm trying to push a lot into one. It ended up, she ended up realizing what everybody will end up realizing when you start giving and being generous. It's not just about money. It's about so much more that we have to offer. Smiles, kindness, uh, consideration, compassion. And she says, when I don't serve or give, uh, when I pass, I am still called into a conversation with God about it, We examine it together, and that's the best part. It ended up being the best part was was 
listening and examining with God what was right for her in those moments. This is what we always find when we look at the life of Jesus and the invitations of Jesus. It's, it's not necessarily about what we do. It's about him inviting us in to his space so we can be together in what he's calling us to do. Near the end of her email, she says, drops this little gem. She says, I say to myself and to you now, Mike, that the people near me, even with the simplest of needs, are my responsibility. They're in, I, I'm trying to paraphrase. She, she said, they, they are, we are part of the same system, right? They, if they're near me, they're part of the same system. They're, they're part of my responsibility. <laughs> and then she says this, and their job, for 10 minutes a day, is to make me a better person. She realized that the people who she served, who she gave to, who she smiled at, who she encouraged, that what they gave her (laughs) was the best part of it. They make me examine myself and talk to God about it. And that, Mike, is worth more than anything that I have to give. The key to being aware, not only of what the needs are for you and what the, need, and what the voice of God is saying, is to be an outward-going, outward-flowing, listening conversational person with God. That's the things that foster awareness and the sensitivity to humanity and to God. To intentionally lose, to facilitate another's gain. It's not easy to know when and where and how much to serve, but the solution isn't math and boundaries. It's the disciplines and the process itself of flowing out that bring awareness and create sensitivity. Make sense? Let it flow, baby. Let it flow. Serving is the easiest part. Serving is the easiest part. The hard part is anticipating what's coming, being mentally and emotionally available, and becoming more aware as we commune with God. God, you invite us into a space that is one of the best spaces that we'll ever be in on this planet, a space of unlimited resources that come from you, unlimited opportunities to be your hands and to be your feet and to grow and to be transformed and to be matured in the process. We're so deeply grateful to be invited into your world to serve ours. God, would you give us the strength and the faith to move into spaces that we anticipate be challenging? Would you give us rest and peace again and again so that we have the emotional and mental reserves to go when you call? And God, would you help us to know? Help us to know where to go. 
we trust you to do all the heavy lifting when you get there. The serving part's easy. You do amazing things, and we'll give you the credit in the end. In Jesus' name, amen. Let me give you just a second here, minute, 60 seconds or so. Um, Danae's going to keep playing. And um, Ponder your own life. What of those three areas do you need to lean into? Yeah, just take a minute.